Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 131 of Fun With Cars for coverage of the Monaco Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and as is always talked about, Monaco is the jewel in the crown of Formula One, and it's the gala event, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Yet there are so many crowns in Formula One. It's the jewel of which crown? Yeah, and uh, so... Yeah, we had, uh, and, and of course we have, uh, I guess, a little bit of, of wrap-up from the Spanish Grand Prix, because of course the last show that we did was ahead of the Spanish Grand Prix. And it was awesome. Um, and uh, and it could, almost because I was out of town. Um, so we'll, we'll You t- were out of the country. In fact, you were out of the continent. Yes. That's a true statement. I was in the hemisphere, depending on... You were in the what, hemisphere. Where you consider your... As we're looking east to west, yes. Your hemisphere boundaries. Yes, but... You were out for a very important reason. We could not, unfortunately, do a Japanese Grand Prix podcast, but... Nor a Spanish, for that matter. Well, you know, (laughs) Japanese, Spanish, same diff. Yeah. Sorry, I misspoke. Anyway, the, uh, the, the race was a good one, and it was unfortunate that we couldn't really get into it when it was fresh, but... This Monaco race is always fantastic. So the fact that we can do this podcast, I feel, if we had to choose between the two, this is the one to do anyway. Because, you know, it's the jewel in the crown, as everyone says. Well, and, you know, you don't ignore jewels and crowns. You no. just don't do that. No. Uh, so we did, though, have uh, – we were live tweeting the uh, the thing, you know, and uh, I, I don't know if anyone was doing Facebook. I certainly wasn't. I was all on Twitter for watching the race. Yeah, no, no, the adults were on Facebook. Okay. Um, so – I was tweeting uh, as as fun with cars, of course, and following along with the race. Um, I was in England at the time, so which, which was lovely because I was, uh, you know, watching the race at a normal primetime race watching kind of early afternoon. I have to take issue with you saying it was lovely because one of the most interesting things about England—it's not like this is the most interesting thing—but one of the highlights is English breakfast. And you said yourself you don't like English breakfast. No. How can you not like English breakfast? It's breakfast. You can get English breakfast with extra breakfast. Simon Pegg coined that phrase, which is brilliant. Well, there you go. I did English breakfast the first time I was there. I had well, I didn't go for the beans. I guess that would have been the proper English breakfast. That's where you went wrong. Proper fry-up experience. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, um, yeah, I, the, dude, I couldn't eat like that every day, man. I would. Uh, did you want some American breakfast? And did no. you want it with ranch dressing on I'm, the side? No. Where's my hamburger? See, so yeah, the hamburger, you're kind of getting there. Because I'm not, I'm not big on the breakfast food. So for me, getting like a lots of bacon and eggs and, and, you know, kind of all the kind of, you know, ham sort of style, different kind of bacon that they've got over there, the thick cut and whatever. And, uh, and then, you know, plus, you know, the beans and mushrooms and all kinds of other random stuff that they have uh, cooked up there for a proper English fry up. Um, that's lovely once in a while, but I certainly could not eat like that every day. And I can't eat an American breakfast every day either. I mean, that's just more food than I am sort of prepared to deal with. Do you know what my favorite American breakfast is? Pizza. Close. Oh, cold pizza. White Castle. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. As in, like, breakfast food from White Castle or just as in, like, no. burgers from White yes. Castle? Yes. There you go. All right. Yes. Well, fair enough. They actually have a legit breakfast sandwich, I happen to know. That, however, is not what we're here to talk about. So, it's the Japanese Grand Prix. So there I was, tweeting as fun with cars, and then I started to see other tweets By showing By the way, up. you kept calling it the Spanish Grand Prix. I don't know what that was about. Yeah. I saw, All right. I'm I saw, milking my own wounds here. Not a good idea. I don't even know what that means. Spanish Grand Prix. Yes. Uh, so I, I started seeing other tweets show up that said that they were for me, and I was very confused because I didn't even know if you were awake or watching the race or what. We hadn't you know, talked about or planned this in advance at all, as yes. we do. Yes, yes. Um, so, but then I saw that it was like, it, it was like alternate universe Twitter I- events because like it was fun with cars replying to itself and it, but it was like, <laughs> and then, and then you were like not using the hashtag, but then you were like kind of using the hashtag, but not quite in the right way. And it was like, I was all confused. It's confusing. They changed the rules on me. I don't know did, what's did happening. They? I don't think yes. they did. I think hashtags have always worked the same way. Okay. So, so you don't do an at sign for a hashtag. You use a hash sign for a hashtag. This is just how it works. Executive summary is Robin Warner is not smart, and it is shown when he's trying to tweet because <laughs> that is that is the most vulnerable stage. For Robin, Robin is Warner. good at a lot of things. <laughs> no, Twitter. Robin is good at hiding his true self in a lot of things, but Twitter exposes him. Yeah, so for me, that's 24-hour time, which is also something they're big on in England and Europe is like, oh, we're going to you know, have something at 2 p.m., but we're going to call it 14 o'clock just because we're awkward like that. For some reason, I, I'm like, sometimes mental math, I'm fine with it. Sometimes, right. you know, really advanced, crazy stuff, I'm, you know, we can, we, we can do that. 
but you know, someone tells me to meet them at 1835, and it takes me like a good three minutes to like <laughs> work out. Okay, hold on, okay, like subtract the 12, thing. but then it's kind of like it's 10 different, but then it's two. You, like, I have that, to tell I, you, they get to 630 pretty quickly there. So oh, six. See, I was thinking it was 538. Dang it. <laughs> so that's the thing. So we wait. Are we going to talk about Formula One? Yes. Because this is going great. We don't should, get me wrong. We should do that. Okay. So um, the, there was a lot of I guess drama in this race. It um, was the best Spanish Grand Prix I'd seen in a long time, I think. Oh, we're still talking about Spain. Okay, good. That's fine. Um, yeah. Well, because you kept ignoring Japan, so... <laughs> no one has been to Japan yet. Um, yeah, so what I think was cool about this, and uh, actually as uh, our NBC commentator Will Buxton is sort of super, super geeked about in giant blog post entries and various things, is that he says this changes the game and sort of has all kinds of other superlatives, but... Um, what I think happened here, or in, not here, but in uh, in Spain a couple weeks ago, was Alonso not um, just hitting the delta, the hitting the target lap time, and managing the tires, but that they sort of did some calculations and worked out, nope, the, fa- the, the best way to run this race is to drive 100% and take as many pit stops as you need to do that, and right. they planned it out, and it was four stops, and it's actually the same as last year, um, which was also four stops. In that case, it was Vettel, um, and that was you know almost to the lap exactly the same basic race you know the way it played out of course this year everyone's freaking out about it everyone i guess red bull is freaking out about it you know they weren't complaining last year when vettel won with four stops but this year you know red bull is all kinds of to complain about um but that i think in this whole ongoing uh debate over is it better to have to save the tires and that's kind of what we're racing to or is should be you know we're not seeing the drivers flat out well we, were, we saw the drivers flat out, and it was cool. It was a fun race. It was dynamic. It was fun Absolutely. to watch. And there was passing, and there was a lot going on. And the um, the most disappointing thing, but also that added to the excitement, was the pole sitter was not even really in competition to win this race. Right. And there was a lot of lead changes going on, things going on. And just to see the Ferrari, Ferraris just hard charging through the field the way they did and pull out the win, I thought was just a strong, great effort, and it made for a great race. Right, and and so I just think the it wasn't what everyone sort of was Red Bull again freaking out about of uh, <laughs> of like oh this you know the driving is boring they're just going to set lap times and I guess I think there was some of that this weekend in Monaco uh, some more yes. hitting to the times and not just flat out because it's a whole different dynamic on how this track uses the tires and the penalty you take for doing a pit stop well and the vast majority of people were on a one stop strategy and it was the soft and super soft tires I mean it is a it is seriously especially this year with the tires the way they are. A unique situation. Much easier on tires than any other track. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Canada because, of course, that's uh, a, a more interesting track for tire dynamics. I mean, that Definitely. was the original Canada 2010 and the original impetus for, like, oh, wait, this this could be fun. Let's, you know, the tires, you know, actually fell apart and uh, and, and made it interesting. And, and that, that was, was Jensen Button's race, was it not? That's No, that's uh, Hamilton came to win that one. I was there uh, having... Okay. Uh, so the 2010 was a Hamilton race, and that was okay. on Bridgestones. That was you know when it first was ah uh, yes 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 screwball okay, okay. and uh, and it was fun and I was you know I was just had been married a week at that point and was there with my with my new wife. Yes, it was your one week anniversary. That's right. Ah ah ah. But they're coming back to that. So this could be you know now it's it's Canada, which has already been a little bit crazy on tires. It's not the dynamics of Monaco, not quite like Spain either. So I think it could be good. We could be back to some proper pushing on it and whatever. Um, and, you know, really seeing some drivers go flat out and, uh, and get interesting. So for, for everything that we can say about Monaco, I, the, you know, there was, um, there was a red flag, which we haven't seen in quite a while. Um, right. And, and, you know, another safety car period completely separate from that and, and some crashes and whatever. But for the, like, the bulk of the main, of just the, the race, the, the green flag running, running, there was so little passing and so yes. little kind of really close battles. There was a, right. some, some argy-bargy at the very beginning, but then it really settled down. It wasn't terribly exciting, No, and as, as exciting as it really should be. I completely agree with you and was extra disappointed because Monaco always delivers a great race despite itself. You know, there's always these objective facts about why Monaco is a terrible place to have a, a race. I mean, it is. It's a ridiculous place for a race. Objective facts. That's what's great about it. Though. But it always turns out to be wonderful. And this time it was the closest thing to a parade I've seen in a little while. And it was fantastic that Rosberg was able to do what he did despite all the things that were thrown at him. In fact, the argument uh, that I make is that he won the race five times today. Hmm. Um, but, uh, it was 
excessively boring, which is why I feel we have to give extra credit to uh, Adrian Sutil mm-hmm. and um, also to a lesser extent in a slightly more uh, careful way, uh, Sergio Perez. Okay. Because I'm interested to see where you go with that. Well, these these are the folks that made some passes on track. This was not, uh, you know, a pit cycle thing that made someone ahead of somebody else. These were legitimate passes that we got to watch that were exciting. That didn't end in chaos, by the way. And um, I think we'll get to that. But actually, the first thing I want to talk about is the Massa incident where he was all on his own and went off in turn one. Yeah, very similarly to what happened in final practice yesterday yes. morning, um, which at the time looked like, okay, something must have broken on the car, you know, either rear suspension or possibly a gearbox, locking everything up because it's like you're going through what we'll sort of call the front straight, although it's just the front less of a curve than the actual curves. Right. And goes to turn in, I think gets on the brakes, downshifts, and then the car just like doesn't seem to slow down very much and just goes straight on into the barrier and then, and then kind of bounces off and goes from there. Like... Massa knows better. It's not the kind of place you usually see. I mean, where you see someone lose it is on the exit of turn one of Sandoval, where, um, you know, they've, they've come in a little too hot. They've turned in a little too late. You know, whatever, the front right, end washed right. out. This is not that. This is right at the beginning of the braking zone. Full brake, front um, brake lockup, completely lose steering. So to do that once, and, that, and so first of all, they did it in practice, and um, which many couldn't take place, take part in qualifying. I guess they couldn't get the car back together or, or something or were concerned about something else. So we had to start from the very, very back of the grid, which, of course, in Monaco is probably the worst place to do that. Um, but then, and Ferrari said there was no mechanical failure. So, okay. Okay. So maybe, you know, drivers have lapses in judgment or, or the brake or balance whatever. is really weird for some reason or something. Yeah. I mean, that's not a mechanical failure, but that could be a mechanical mistake. Right. Um, so then the fact that it happens again in the race, you know, it was very surprising. It was mm-hmm. actually, it was a pretty big hit because he was, the original hit was into the, uh, the left-hand barrier and then it went around and then the, the car hit sideways into, by the, by the exit of the corner. And that's probably what it looked like his neck. They were concerned about they had the neck brace on or whatever. Yeah. I mean, a side impact, if you're not really, you know, quite geared up forward or, or whatever, I guess there's only so much gearing up you can do for your car sliding sideways into a barrier at hundred miles an hour or whatever. Um, was uh, they were concerned about his neck. I think he's, he's released from the hospital. Massa is okay now. But it, it is really strange to have a very, very similar incident like that. And I don't think we've gotten a full technical kind of um, decision from Ferrari on whether there was a fault the second time or maybe they look back at the data and say, oh, yeah, actually there was a fault. Because right. I don't know that their data is going to say no fault, no fault, no, oh, yep, fault. There it was. I mean, it's got to be a pretty fine thing to look through the data and see, well, what were the sensors on the gearbox saying? What were the brakes saying? What were the you know, various hydraulic pressures, all these different things before they can really say, was this for sure a fault or not? So I think there's a chance they may look back at the data and think, you know, so they could tell if a tire went down. I mean, certainly something like that. Sure. And it wasn't that. So, okay, fair enough. But um, it really uh, it really does seem, uh, you know, odd. And actually... And, I mean, sometimes things can be like, oh, we can't figure it out, we can't figure it out. And they give the person a new chassis and it's better. Do you know what I mean? Like, there could be something just buried deep within the design of this thing there's where something's broken or just misaligned ever so slightly that throws the driver off or just for some reason something isn't clicking and a new car fixes it for whatever reason that that's happened in the past and i'm with you i it if it were if it were like a formula 4 driver driving an f1 car I'd be like well that guy didn't know what he was doing but Massa is not a spring chicken. He's been here before, and he would know what he's doing. And he had the accident on Friday, so it does seem, it does seem oddly similar, and it does make you wonder about what happened. Okay, well, actually, there is an update. Uh, Autosport just put this article out uh, a few minutes ago, um, where they said, okay, the co- although the crash was almost identical to Massa's accident at the same corner in Saturday morning practice, which was put down to a driver error. Ferrari technical chief Pat Fry underlined that this time the car was to blame. So there's a problem in the front left. Um, of the car, the left front corner of the car. It's when you got a bad corner, that's that's no good. You've yeah. only got four of those, yeah. and yep. one's bad, and it's no good. I always um, I always strive for four good corners. Yeah, that's a good way to. That's a good strategy. Um, so it's too early to say precisely what happened, but we will try to ascertain. Blah 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 blah. But Massa says okay. So I guess they say they the Ferrari as a team is standing by. The first time that was Massa's fault. The second time that was on the car. Yeah, you heard it here first. The corner, unless you heard it somewhere else. So, but we doubt, we doubt that. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's a fun with cars exclusive. Unless they also read Autosport, in which case they well, can see they it now. But they didn't hear it. They didn't ah, hear it. Uh, uh, uh. Well played there. Uh, well. Anyway, uh, moving on. So, I guess first things first. Let's. Uh, 
Rosberg just drove phenomenally. He he had a lot of weird things thrown his way. Early on, he had to deal with um, uh, people trying to get the lead from him. Red Bull was pushing really hard. I think the earliest stages was actually, was it Weber ahead or was it Vettel? Well, it was Hamilton behind him as well. Uh, that's one, that's what it was. it was. It was Hamilton getting the pressure. But there was enough pressure that uh, Rosberg really wasn't in a place to relax. But you're right. Hamilton was the one who was really getting pushed by Red Bull. Well, it was funny because the, the announcers were talking about how Vettel, or sorry, uh, Vettel, uh, how Rosberg was just driving off down the road and it was like a one second gap. Yeah, it wasn't. It's, you know, anything it's different real at all. from some of the bigger tracks where, you know, where you really get really far away. But it was never a crazy lead. Um, but uh, it seemed like you know Hamilton was was you know hanging with the Red Bulls. It was it was this one two for quite a while, um, and then it was the um, well, there were two yellow flags. Yeah, and so it was it all kind of the the timing was a little bit weird because it was the pit stops and safety car all at once. Um, right, and that um, where Rosberg came in and Hamilton slowed way down, and the team says they they didn't tell him to do that. Um, but I don't know exactly what the team would have told him because then uh, Hamilton came in on the same lap to do a pit stop. Right. So, of course, if you're Hamilton, if you're right behind your teammate, then to you know do a pit right after him, you just have to stop and wait, um, which we know he's no fan of doing from his time with Alonzo and whatnot. This is true. Um, so, uh, you know, Hamilton would have had to know that, okay, well, if I don't want to just wait in the garage, you know, or wait in the pit lane to, to get my car service, that I should slow down. And then now if he slows down on track, then he's slowing down the Red Bulls behind him as well. Like, so the team says, oh, we didn't tell him to slow down. He did that. He made his own choice. But really, what choice does he have if the team told him, we're going to pit both you guys this lap. Right. Then you might as well say. Well, it could easily have been, you know, it could easily have been that, hey, slowing down a little bit makes sense so that the pit crew isn't super stacked up. But if he overdid, if he if he overshot that by slowing down too much, you know, I, I'm not trying to say that Hamilton definitely deserves all the blame. I'm just saying I could see it where it was like, dude, that's cool that you're being respectful, but we kind of need you to get here for the sake of the race. And I could see where that might be overshot. It's odd. It's definitely an odd thing to hear Hamilton going too slow in any particular circumstance. But eh, it is yeah. what it is. Well, the, so, yeah, supposedly, um, you know, oh, is this his payback for, um, you know, for China when he, when, he, you know, when he was ahead of Rosberg and he was told to stay ahead and Rosberg was told to stay behind, more importantly? The answer is no. No, it's not that. It's just kind of, you know, oh, it's not team dynamics. But it, it kind of is because it's you know, there's only one pit stall, and, of course, Rosberg's in front, so they're not going to say, okay, Rosberg, you can stop and wait and let Hamilton go. There's not a whole lot of ways right. it could have gone, I guess. Right. And, uh, and and so as it happened, because he had to slow down like that and the way the safety car came around and, and everybody caught everyone, um, that that's what put Hamilton behind the Red Bulls, and he was not able to recover from yeah, that. So could not get back around. Not the worst result ever, though, fourth place. So, so that was the – yeah, exactly. So that was that, and then there was, this, there was the second um, yellow flag as well that – brought out a safety car but then also the red flag and the red flag to me is the biggest issue because that is what was it 15 20 minutes outside of the car they while they were cleaning off debris and fixing the tire barrier they had to get out of the car he had to stop and think people could re uh, take a quick look at the car change the tires so this was a chance for other people who were gunning for rossberg you kind of have another shot to refresh yeah, and really take really take get it their to head them. together. And you know, we saw all the data engineers, you know, connected to the cars and looking Absolutely. at everything. And, and not that there's not a whole lot they can change, but just for everyone to kind of, you know, get get their ducks in a row before the before the restart. Um, that's got to be, you know, when when he all he wants to do at that point is like, I just want to keep going in this race. You know, I just want to just oh, get on it. Oh, wants it over, yeah. Um, you know, so that that's got to sort of mess with you. And then and then partly that there's that, and there's the actual just. The fact that you know whatever lead lead you have built up just goes back to effectively zero, and it's right. up to you to then restart the whole thing and regap the field and blah blah blah. So there's right. the mental side of it as well as just simply track position. But he made it work. I mean, we really have to give him credit. I don't Lots think of credit absolutely. So no one. Uh, we'll talk about predictions, of course, later on. But no one predicted Rosberg for the win. Um, or at least, at least no one went Rosberg. Rosberg. You know, after all all of what we've seen. It's sort of like, oh yeah, okay, he's really good on one lap pace, sure. There's you know pole position, you know, handful, quite a few people uh, went for Rosberg for pole, correctly so, but no one thinks he's going to hold on, and yet here he is. You know, partly that's Monaco and it's tough to pass, but also, I mean, the Red Bulls just couldn't get around him, and they had right. you know several opportunities where they sort of really could have gotten close, and they had Durs and all that. Right, but, and uh, and I feel because you know here's I I predicted uh, Rosberg on pole, and then Alonso to win the race. I. Early on the race, said, "Oh, this was a mistake." And the big reason I felt it was a mistake was I didn't take into account enough two things: one, it is hard to pass in Monaco, but two, that 
the tire strategy around Monaco is totally different from any other place. So they have the softest tires they can get there, and they don't go through them very fast because as fast as they go around there is 175 miles an hour. Most of the corners are properly slow corners. And that's barely moving, 175. I mean, yeah, come on. Come on. <laughs> And But honestly, though, I mean, a lot of the corners there are much slower than the typical Formula One corner. So you don't have as much aerodynamic efficiency pushing the cars down. Long story short, you don't have as much load on the tire through the corners. It just isn't there. You're not going 100, 120 miles an hour through a corner putting 4 Gs on the car. You're going 50 or 60, and you're probably putting more like 2.5 Gs on the car. Yeah. And that's going to be a lot easier on the tires. So it would mean that a car like Mercedes, which we have to assume, at least to a certain extent, is partially harder on the tires than the other cars as part of the problem, that they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't suffer that same problem here as they would at other tracks. And they would be much more likely to do well here. So I, I properly, I caught this mistake way too late to fix, but early enough to say, ooh, that was a bad idea. Yeah, you're probably wrong, though. Uh, probably wrong. Because. And, and yes. You're, clearly, the reason Mercedes did so well is because they had a secret tire test. Everyone knows this. Oh, yeah, you because know, I know all the secrets. Well, yeah, so there's a, this is the whole big, you know, the other big talking point, and it's debatable whether this is actually really a story or not. But um, Pirelli, it is now. Yeah, well, it's certainly being talked about, and certainly there's people with different decisions about it. So um, Pirelli definitely needs to do, continue to do development work on tires to make sure for the rest of this year and then for next year, which they don't have a contract for next year yet, but it sounds like they, you know, there's some, some back and forth about whether they – whether they will or whether they should, and they sort of do, you know, they need to know sooner rather than later. But anyway, they need to develop their tires, and they don't have a car to do that. You know, they had an old a Toyota, actually, I think from 09 or whatever the last year of Toyota was. Yeah. Um, and then it's just so different from the new cars. It's just no longer a useful thing to test with. So now they, they can't just, you know, completely test these things in simulated conditions. They really need to just get laps on them. So it turns out after the Spanish Grand Prix, um, Mercedes did a, a multi-day test putting 1,000 kilometers on some tires, um, which – and then, um, you know, coincidence or not, uh, then they come out and, and do well. Um, so um, I don't uh, – Weber actually says as well, like, okay, they didn't win in Monaco because they had this tire test. But um, Ferrari and Red Bull are both protesting, hey, that's not legal, that's an in-season test and whatever, um, which is, I think, technically correct. Yeah. But before doing this test, um, Pirelli went to the FIA and said, hey, we need to do this test. Is this okay? And the FIA said yes. So it's not like a you know, actual secret, no one knows about it, oh, we've, we've been found out kind of like scandal. Right, but, right. But um, the first test was um, – because I mean, they, they did another one, um, and was that – I guess it wasn't with uh, – you know the secrets. Don't look at me. Yeah, man. Um, so there's – it's just there's, the test was allowed because Pirelli can call upon one outfit for a private test to help it. And so it's just kind of the way – maybe the way um, – it's like we're not upset that you did this test. We're upset that you lied to us about it. <laughs> um, so officially Ferrari and Red Bull have, have lodged a complaint, and uh, supposedly you know, Pirelli will be doing tests with them later because they need to continue to, to develop. You know, they're probably – you know, get a bunch of data now, then change some tire, you know, change some stuff, build some new tires, and then test again later. So it'll be with the different cars, different drivers, and uh, it's just got to be a tough thing for the Pirelli engineers to not have a consistent car oh, and driver absolutely. setup. Um, and I guess the one thing is they said um, they uh, uh, the team didn't know what tires were on the car. Uh, they they you know Pirelli didn't tell them, and I guess presumably they didn't paint the same normal colors on the outside of the tires. Um, <laughs> so they said, okay, run right. run these tires, you know, serial number one two three. You won't know what they are. Um, so, you know, it's arguable that, um, you know, they couldn't sort of set the car up a certain way saying, oh, we well, you know those are going to be the super soft. So we know that they're going to work a certain way and whatever. Um, but still, it's just it's more running. It's more development. And, you know, unless they can sort of, you know, ban all the engineers from looking at their laptops or some other kind of, you know, sort of unrealistic kind of thing. There's got to be some value you can get out of just running a car for a thousand kilometers and just lapping a track. I mean, there's got to be some something that uh, that Mercedes had learned from that. But um, I think over the course of the season, it'll balance out. It won't be a big issue. Um, this may be a, a little a uh, little bit of a help for them for well, now. Well, I but mean, it is connected to a bigger issue, which is what's going on with these Pirelli tires. And they want some changes to it. And they did limit. They said the changes can only be for safety. But Pirelli was, was going to make some changes to the tire because Pirelli themselves were conceding, like, yeah, we're not entirely happy with this performance either. Frankly, uh, I thought that the tires are doing what they were asked to do, and it shouldn't be complained about. And 
you know, Pirelli kind of has a different tune about it. I think they're a little bit concerned about how it makes their company looks, those kind of things. So I think, honestly, the bigger story is, well, how is this Pirelli tire going to perform throughout the various tracks for the, re- for the rest of the season? And, uh, yeah, these little side issues will get mixed into the ether that is the Formula One circus. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's a debate that uh, I was actually talking to with uh, someone in England who was a tire engineer for Bridgestone before, uh, you know, when they were in F1, and it's kind of an interesting dynamic on this, is, uh, is are the Pirelli tires performing, you know, are, are they doing what they were asked for? Because we can look at it as a spectator and say, hey, we've had some fun races, there's been some interesting stuff, you know, it's good, there's passing, there's, there's a little bit of drama, there's some craziness, you know, Red Bull got the strategy wrong in Spain, arguably, and, yeah. and that's cool, it doesn't often happen that way. Um, it, you know, apparently the tires, the way that they move and flex um, with the, to, you know, to manage the wear, um, it does actually affect the aerodynamics, which is why, which is sort of a, a supposition is why Red Bull is having a much harder time because they're so aero-focused and not so much looking at mechanical grip and so on. Right, um, right. So you, one could say Pirelli is doing exactly what was asked of them, so Pirelli is amazing because, you know, you can't, you know, when you think about what it takes to uh, design a tire and, uh, and, of course, neither of us are tire engineers or tire designers. So it's this like is true. It's, it's when you think about, okay, we're going to build the rubber, a certain kind of rubber with exactly these kind of chemicals and this kind of build, you know, in this, in this ratio. And then we're going to bake it a certain way and we're going to shape it and, and, and all, everything that goes into that. I thought you were going to say shake. I was yeah. Shake and bake. Uh, maybe I'm hungry. Maybe I should eat something if I'm like, oh, yeah. shake and bake? But to, to translate, you know, that into, okay, this tire is going to last X number of laps with this guy driving it a certain way at this track. And then we're going to pit and we're going to go into this other compound, which is going to be this much different in lap time. Like, that's a really difficult thing. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really tall order to sort of to, to define exactly how you want the tires to perform. And then to say, oh, you know, we want to tweak that because we want to have two pit stops instead of four. So we want the tires to be exactly this much, you know, this much car- this much different in terms of grip, this much different in terms of tire wear. And, and to, you know, it's not... Like they just have a bunch of knobs in a video game and can say, oh, yeah, turn up the, turn up the strength and turn down right, the grip. Right, it's like right. you know, all the different characteristics that are involved there. Um, so arguably the fact that they've gotten that sort of made some really good interesting racing is, is amazing. But I think they're kind of at the edge of, uh, of sort of that. You know, I think Spain was, was the uh, – and that was, of course, what we were talking about was just after Spain. But it's sort of like, okay, maybe they're not really – in charge of where they've gone. You know, they've, they've got the compounds that sort of have happened to work out, and then they say, right. oh, these are wearing even faster than we want. Dumb luck to and, a certain extent. And, well, I, I would go, you know, stay away from dumb luck, because I think, <laughs> again, these are probably really smart people that oh, are doing no, this. No, and I'm not suggesting um, otherwise. I'm just saying that all the things you did, like, oh, well, we didn't expect it to turn out like this, but, hey, but, it's kind of working. But the racing kind of works, right. Yeah. And that was the original thing was, you know, from Canada 2010, as we talked about, it was a bit of a dumb luck, like, oh, this is weird. Our tires are all falling apart. Oh, but this is fun for the race, so yeah. so we want that. So I think now, uh, so in a way, the message is kind of wrong. So for Pirelli, really, what they should say, um, you know, it, what what they would want to have said about them um, would be that okay, Pirelli, you know, whatever tires, you know, as a manufacturer, if you need tires to perform a certain way, we can do that. We have really good knowledge and really good engineers to build a tire that does exactly what you want. But that's not what people are saying. People are saying oh, these tires fall apart. The tires are terrible. And you know, the, well, I think and that's that's a driver's and a team's job is to complain when it isn't going their way. You know, right. that's why you've heard a lot less from Lotus about this than you've had from Red Bull and uh, Mercedes. You know, it's like, oh well, these things aren't working well for us, and Lotus is going, they work fine. Yeah, don't change anything. So it's it's an interesting dynamic, and I'm again, I, I feel like I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but um, Monaco is the least relevant example of what we're looking for with tire strategy here because Monaco is uniquely narrow, uniquely slow, and uh, uniquely easy on tires. Again, when I say uniquely slow, they're still crazy fast, but average speed of Monaco is you know right around 100 miles an hour, maybe a little less. Average speed at most other tracks are 125, 130, 140 miles an hour. Silverstone is over 140 miles an hour. The average speed at Monza is approaching 160 miles an hour. Yeah. Point is... Monaco is not your place to check out tire wear. And then Canada, you know, that's a place that could potentially be higher wear on tires and a whole different strategy. Moving on, if you don't mind, yes. sir. Um, Adrian Sutil made a couple of passes. Dude had some moves today. Yeah, I, actual on cool. track, slightly screwball in a couple of cases, going really tight in the hairpin and, and various things. But that's what you have to do to make a pass at Monaco. I mean, and he made it stick. Yeah, so he had uh, a couple of good moves. I mean, Alonso was the big one, which... That the pass, his pass on on Alonzo, Alonzo, <laughs> um, 
it looked really weird because it looked Wait, really Fernando easy. Fernando Monzo? Yes, exactly. Ah, that's okay. the one. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> it looked really easy. Like either Alonso just didn't expect him to come down the inside and just kept the kept the inside line wide open for the hairpin, or if I don't know. I mean, Alonso, you know, is not uh, not usually known as the easiest guy to pass or whatever. Um, but uh, it was it was a little bit surprising. But you know, just bonus points for the Force India for just yeah making that work and uh, well. Ten bonus points to be precise. I mean, you know, Adrian Sutil finished fifth in the race. That's a great result. Yeah. Ten points more for Force India. I mean, Force India really has been a fantastic story. They are doing marvelously well, and they are not considered one of the top teams by anybody. I mean, it's just been, it's just been one great thing after another for them, considering where they're at in this world, you know what I mean, in terms of budgeting and things like that. They're still fifth in the Constructors' Championship right now. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is well into the season now. They are ahead of McLaren, not to mention uh, SDR and Sauber. And, I mean, Sauber, that's another good one, by the way. Um, so I, th- I think lots of credit to Force India because they've got two great drivers in Adrian Sutil and Paul Dresta. They've built a pretty darn solid car, considering their budget constraints and everything else. And uh, Agent Steel pulled off what I would say some pretty impressive passes. Yeah, for sure. Slightly less impressive, but I don't know. Where do you fall on this? The Sergio Perez moves. Yeah, that um, – <laughs> <laughs> and that's about all I have to say. No, so, yeah, you know, they, they asked him to be more aggressive, and then he was arguably too aggressive, and, you know, elbows out, check out, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was from, from Bahrain and, and, you know, earlier in the season. Um it seems, I guess, it, I kind of go back and forth on that because in one way, there's almost this sort of, you know, gentleman's agreement about how, how Monaco is raced and how Formula One is and, you know, go to sort of, is it, uh, is it sort of, the, okay, we're, we're doing this thing and we all kind of understand, you know, where it's safe to do that and how much space is okay and how much space is, is opportunistic and, right, right. you know, where it's reasonable to sort of force someone off and where you leave space and so on. And I feel like in a way he may have violated that. But that's not necessarily bad because that's, you know, like the, the classic, you know, Senna quote of sort of, if, you know, if there's a gap and you no longer go for it, you're no longer a racing driver. Right. You know, it's, right. you have to push. That's what keeps it interesting. That's what keeps these guys on their toes and, uh, and just sort of keeps things going. So, um, so on, on your teammate, though, to a certain extent, it seems like you want to be a little bit different. And, and I guess so passing. You just want to make sure that you're doing it clean. I think that's the extra emphasis, right? Right, but then when when the fact that your pass comes off clean depends on the other guy reacting to you um, at a certain level. I mean, I guess it's one thing if if I can you know go around the outside of of you and and you know you're you're on the inside and you just get I, I whiz by you because I've somehow been able to just you know manage this corner and know my way around this corner really really well. Then that's that's one thing. But if I'm going on the, on the inside where if you don't see me or something slightly crazy happens. Um, or not if you don't see me, but just if you know, you know how you go to react means that you don't have to drive yourself off the road, for example, to um, to to react to me. Then that's a little bit different than just you know was it clean or the, the fact that it came across as clean only because uh, you know the other drivers involved were were super on top of it and really took evasive actions or potentially you know straight line chicanes or whatever. All right, well let's let's get to the let's get to the subject at hand. Then I mean. Perez did not finish this race. Right. And he was in a collision with Raikkonen, I do believe. Yep. That uh, caused enough damage to his car that he had to pull off on one of the one of the very few runoff areas. And I don't know. I mean, Raikkonen certainly wasn't given a penalty for what some might argue is turning in too early on Sergio. But uh, I don't know. I, that one... It's tough for me because I don't want to come off as super biased, man. I'm trying to give Sergio his his proper due. But to me, I felt like his moves were a bit on the opportunistic side. And that includes his move on Raikkonen and that ended his race. Yeah, well, I think uh, on uh, Alonso, when you make the move, uh, Alonso had to, had to straight line the chicane to get around him. But Perez made the corner. That's That's you know, tough but clean, and that's that's cool. That's good. That's making a move. Right. Um, when he went to try to pass Button, and even he didn't make the corner, you know, they both had to straight line the chicane, so it was, oh, it was no advantage between teammates and so on. Um, that was on Button, I think, right? Um, well, he did that on Raikkonen for sure. Yeah. Um, and he had to give a position back to Button at some point. Yeah, well, he got because he got so, the position back from from Alonso. But when I guess if, if I'm coming in and making a really opportunistic yeah, move, yeah, no, the Alonso thing was, was the other way around. Um, yeah. 
then <laughs> there's a lot of right if passing related topics with Perez and was that okay? So I guess if if I I'm opportunistic and make it work, then it's brilliant. If I'm opportunistic and don't make it work, if I'm Perez, that's where you start to say, okay, was that just too opportunistic? Was that kind of a rookie thing of saying like, oh, I see a gap, and not so it's not just seeing the gap and going for it, but I guess it's being smart enough and talented enough well, to make it thing, work. The rookie thing is officially not cool anymore. I mean, this is his third year, right? So he shouldn't be making rookie mistakes, which is why, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't fall back on that. So that's when, when I see that, okay, he tries to make a move and he can't get around the corner. So he and you know, and his competitor, um, all both <laughs> both have to drive straight across the chicane. Yeah, that's when you say, okay, that that's pushing it too far, and and not really, um, that's not being really smart and clever about it. That's just sort of you know outdoing yourself. Um, and then so then when it was with with, uh, yeah, with with Raikkonen and uh, you know going over where. You know he was he was there and Raikkonen either decided he shouldn't be or um, didn't notice him or something uh, came across on him and that uh, you know tweaked uh, tweaked the car quite a bit there and then he was able to continue for a little bit longer and then stop um, you know then that's you know there I guess that was considered a racing incident and I suppose that's probably fair because I don't think it was um, you know just from from what I saw crazily one guy or the other but uh, it did seem also very very tough from uh, from the Lotus as well yes and. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But Perez is what I will say, uh, love or hate it, is he's starting to build a reputation for himself. And it's not one I would necessarily envy. So he's just got to be careful to make sure that everything he does is clean. Because, no, you don't want to be respectful to the point that you let everybody go by. But you you want to make sure that what you're doing is on the up and up so that you don't build a reputation that's going to hurt you at the end of the day. And, you know, there's two types of reactions that one in your favor where people are like, oh, this guy uh, better get out of his way because he'll just push his way through anyway. That's good for him if he builds that kind of reputation. But then there's the other reputation, which is F this guy, I'll block as early as I can do whatever I can because he's way too aggressive. You yeah. Know? Or, yeah, the complaint after the, afterwards to the stewards of, like, well, look at this guy. He's always crashing. So this, right. this incident that we had must just be him being his crashy self again. Well, I, I kind of got brought up a little bit last time. That, you know, you don't want to develop uh, what I'm going to call a Maldonado complex, which is you're the guy that's always in the news type of thing. Right. You know what I mean? And whether it is really becomes your fault or not, it just sort of, you know, sort of stacked against you in that way. Right. And right. If completely 100% rightfully so, I think we can agree, right? <laughs> you thought um, we were going to get away with that without even moving on. Uh, moving on, yeah. Um, so, well, Maldonado did have a, a big moment today, although um, not necessarily his fault. No, no, um, no. Grosjean was given the penalty. Yep. So um, a ten grid spot penalty. But for the yet next again, race. it's still Maldonado. Why is it always? No, I'm just <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was uh, one of the airborne moments. Uh, so it was a big crash for him as well. But thankfully, he's he's okay uh, as well. So uh, an unfortunate way to end the day, but. Uh, it, that was part of the drama, and I guess that's what, what what led to the red flag. Ultimately, it wasn't it was Ben Maldonado's car yeah. pushing out the barriers all into the road and all that's that. That's right. So we talked about the red flag, but not its cause, and that that's its cause. Um, so Weber does say that they were just saving tires, and sort of the last, uh, you know, after basically after the safety car, the second like half or uh, half of the race, really, um, he sort of said, you know, and this is of course Weber was uh, uh, pole position to victory last year. Um, this time, you know, just you know coming third. Um, but he says, uh, you know, said he was simply saving tires and waiting for the checkered flag um, with, you know, little opportunities to overtake and so on. Um, he said, you know, he uh, got uh, he said he got an amazing start. So, you know, great that this finally he gets a really great start and it's not a place he can capitalize on that. At all. <laughs> but uh, that, you know, so, th of course, they got Hamilton. Uh, both both rebels got over Hamilton in the pits. And he says, eh, it's always a shame to lose a position in the pits. But, you know, when you're going to, you know, it happens and you're going to, of course, take advantage of that. You're not just going to let Hamilton back by for no reason. But that after that, it was really um, just driving around, saving tires, and waiting for the checkered flag. So, in this case, yeah, I mean, we didn't see any crazy moves. I think it would be it would be quite dramatic if uh, Weber were to push really hard to pass Vettel here, because of course, you know, with with everything that's happened, you know, Vettel's going to fight back, and it's probably going to end in tears for everyone. So yes, um, you know, it was just it, especially for Weber, um, really was just you know looking at the back of Vettel's car all day today and you know, it is what it is so I can imagine not the most exciting race for him but once again hats off to Rosberg I mean it's his second uh, career win and this one is in a car where it's like oh wow this could potentially be a winning car there's still I think some serious race pace issues with this thing over season long that hopefully they'll correct but it was good to see Rosberg 
be able to capitalize the way he did. And I guess uh, I feel obligated to say, because it's been said to us so many times, it was the 30-year anniversary of his father, K.K. Rosberg, winning the uh, very same event and going on to win the world championship. I'm not predicting Rosberg to win the championship, but I am happy that Rosberg was able to put a stamp on this race. Yeah, and I think he may have a better chance at the championship if he goes for the K.K. The K. K. Rosberg classic mustache. I think that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, aerodynamic, that one. Because, you know, right. Behind the helmet. So 30 years ago, um, you know, 1983, I can uh, I can do that mental math okay. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, it's clever and stunning and quick Yeah, cause, and uh, you mental. Because I'm 30 and that's when I was born. So that's an easy one for me. So 1983, <laughs> okay, early 80s, late 70s, you know, mustaches were a thing. I was born and 30 years ago. I guess. I was yeah. born in 1983. And, and, uh, and, but now, you know, so, so for a while there, it would have been weird. But I, think, I feel like mustache racer look could come back around. It hasn't yet. But, you know, you don't want to be the second guy to be the mustache-haired racer guy. to be well, like, oh, did I, you just get a mustache because Rosberg had it? I think it's time. I would want to be the first either, I think or that the third or the fourth. I would rather be the not-mustache Yeah, so you're, you're, you're just, you know, and I realize I you're know, not. I know, I'm stuck in the... 90s and 2000s and modern times. Yeah. Yeah. Modern. Don't want to be stuck there. No, see, you you can't. That's mm, the 90s are no longer modern times, my friend. <laughs> we live in a new world. I didn't rock facial hair in the 90s, but I do now because you I'm a fool. You couldn't rock facial hair in the 90s. Well, there's also that. Yeah. <laughs> so for two reasons, I you know. But anyway, um, the point is, mustaches are cool again uh, in some cases, <laughs> and that well, most important, more importantly, Nico Rosberg looks hilarious with his father's I, mustache. I I think this has been one of the less focused podcast we've had but we've covered and tackled a lot of great issues here i'm like, quite focused on this particular issue actually well i we haven't even uh nah. all but, right yes it was uh, even even when Mont- when monte carlo um delivers us a not so good race it's still a good race i mean it can't be that bad when it's monaco it just can't be and so i still enjoyed watching it although there were moments where like uh we had uh Spanish Grand Prix or something right now? Do they swap? Yeah. You know, but uh, still, awesome race. Still the one to win, and Rosberg got to do that. And Rosberg, really, from his very first year when he was actually a Williams driver, you know, I was I thought highly of this guy, and so it's it's nice to see things starting to come just a little bit better for him, you know. And this was a this was a nice moment. And only his second victory, of course. I mean, it was China last year, which was that was when you know everyone was trying to figure out tires, and it was all crazy. What was it seven different race winners in seven races, yeah. or eight and eight? It, I think was, it was seven it was a, and seven. Yeah, and you know, he was one of them. That's yeah. great. So so that was sort of like okay, he won, but yeah, you know, a little bit sort of screwball conditions. This time, you know, he he won Monaco from pole and really. Five times really owned it you know yeah exactly uh with with all, all kinds of nonsense in his, in his way this wasn't you know like a a vettel win from pole from last year where you know he checks out and there's no one else anywhere near him and he can totally coast i mean this right. was certainly not that with all the craziness and uh and just the general monoconess of the whole thing so um yeah you know lots of credit to him for that and uh you know lewis just says oh, i wasn't quite fast enough this weekend i just want to be better so try that for next time lewis be better yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. try that well what do the listeners have to say to us? Let's find out. Ooh. So for feedback, we have an email to send, send to feedback at funwithcars.com. Whoa, 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 whoa. How do you listen to that feedback? This is listener feedback. Yes. Well, Robin is a listener, um, probably a woman, I'm assuming, with a name like Robin. Um, <laughs> says, um, interesting story, uh, and this is from... Robin is probably from the British Isles, and hence probably not a female listener, I don't think by the way. No, there's no dudes named Robin, though. That's, that's, a, that's a girl name. I don't, know, I don't know why you think that. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become friends with Robin Leach. And then have Robin Leach like come your, over. And yeah, between between him and Robin Williams, those are like your go-tos. But really, is there is there a fourth male Robin in the world? Robin Yout. He was a baseball player for the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a real person. And there's a woman named Robin who's a pop singer, but she's from like Sweden or something, so that doesn't even count. And that might even be Robin with a Y, so who knows. Anyway, um, Robin 
this dear <laughs> listener that sent us an email, um, sent us a story about the, uh, the 2013 driver salaries have been published now. Um, yeah. And it's an article from CrashNet, which is interesting because there is a huge disparity um, between what some of the, the big guys make and some of the little ones. And uh, Yep, size does matter. It's proof right there. Well, there you go. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so interestingly, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton are tied for first place, both making 30 million, or sorry, 20 million euro salaries. And what's interesting is they were in first and second last year, but last year Alonso made 30 and Hamilton made 16 million euros. And now they've balanced each other out. Wow, they're both wow. both at 20 mil, so it's uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Jensen Button is still making the same as last year, 16 million. Um, but Vettel is in fourth place, only making 12 million euros um, only. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean. But compared to, I mean, well, so he is the one without a manager, so there you go. Right. So first of all, um, there's uh, there's a big difference between what you get in salary and what you make overall in a year. I mean, I'm sure with product endorsements and sponsors and all kinds of crazy stuff, um, you know, yeah, getting you know free company cars and, and all kinds of ma- you know different things. There's there's a lot of things that can affect your lifestyle that aren't just how much money you make in salary. And of course, if there are famously you know CEOs that only take one dollar a year in, in salary, but they have plenty of money that comes into the stock and investments and all kinds of fun stuff. So yes. first of all, this is this is only that, but. Um, you know, it's uh, notice that you know Felipe Massa went from 10 million to 6 million euros. Um, Raikkonen only costs 3 million pounds a or th- sorry 3 million euros a year. Um, so uh, for you know talent per dollar, there it seems like Raikkonen is a is a bargain really. You know, if it if it if it were that simple, um, uh, Chaco Perez makes three times the money he made last year. So anyway, it is an interesting article, and uh, thanks for posting that out and uh, sending us an email because uh, that's been uh, an interesting little talking point. Yeah, we also had two comments on uh, the podcast 130 that we did pre-European Wing season update that we did um, from a gentleman that wanted to know more about this um, little uh, ditty of a magazine called Road and Track. His name is John from CA. Still See, no? John, that's a dude. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> words are escaping me without being... Things. So, John from CA, he's either from Canada or California or some other place that has a CNA in it, or it has nothing to do with that entirely. Anyway, he was like, what about Road and Track? And then he's like, oh, man, you mentioned Road and Track. So, yeah, Road and Track's a thing, and we mentioned it. But anyway, thank you very much, John, for having interest and uh, continuing to listen to us. And, you know, little somewhat quasi-related tids and bits might come from the two things but you know that they're really two totally different things um so but it was still cool to hear from them and we moved on we had as always wonderful wonderful feedback from our facebook page and um i'm loving it i actually i want to give uh, our boy craig a, a shout out for his um Little post, he says, until you walk around the Monaco track, you don't understand just how completely nuts it is to drive an F1 car so quickly around it. And uh, with a guy like Craig, I believe that. A guy like who? Craig! That's the one. Okay, I didn't know who you were talking about for a minute there. (laughs) Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, because Craig's is a girl's name. No, 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 that's a man's name. (laughs) Mm. That's pretty clear on that How did this happen? You know, you get – listen – my name is my name is my name. I realize you didn't even choose it. Right? I can prove both my name and my sexuality to you. I can prove both those no, things. No, okay, fair enough. So it's but it's not. Uh... I can do it simultaneously with a birth <laughs> certificate. Oh, the, I didn't think that's how that sentence was going to end. Well, it, my it, name it, is Robin, and I am now <laughs> flashing you. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, not good for my reputation, that one. No, we wouldn't do it that way. Uh, okay, well, good to know. Anyway, um, we also have there a fair number of, uh, of people that are not exceedingly elderly and who have figured out Twitter. And oh, have... you, you're talking uh, this Kids Corner. I did, we have a new segment yeah. called Kids Corner. It's like Blue's Clues, but yeah, you know, it's for a, Formula One. It's like those little plastic balls you can jump into and it doesn't hurt. And it's like, ooh, I'm in balls, but they're actually like completely covered in bacteria. Quote of the day, woo, I'm in balls. Um <laughs> So you were just taking it to a next to another level. I'm I'm punchy today. You so, are. Well, ever since we got an email from Robin, who's probably a man actually, but you thank know, you. Either way, thank you for conceding. Maybe Robin will specify in in his or her next email uh, as to anyway. Um, Which is actually, by the way, not important. We 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 are unbiased in that situation. Yeah. Except unless your name is Robin, because then all of a sudden it becomes important. Right. So. <laughs> 
just to be clear, I'm not making fun of our listeners. If anything, I'm just making fun of you. But it's not even your – you didn't even pick your name. So I should – I can call your mom and say, hey, yeah, why did you name yeah. your boy Robin? Yeah, why did you name your son a girl name nerd? Right. Like, but that's not – but Jim? your mom is a very nice lady, so I wouldn't do that. She is a very nice lady, unlike me, who's a jerk and deserves what's coming to me. But you are a lady, you're saying, or no? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, as always, we've had some fun discussions on Twitter and our hashtag FWCars. Um, so oh, from... yeah, you got to half tag your hash <laughs> with the thing. Half tag? <laughs> yeah, is that what you do? You half tag it. Because oh, if you do a full tag, that's not going to. Uh... Your Twitter was amazing because you were like replying to yourself. And I'm like, how do you even <laughs> do that? How does that even like, was, strike like, someone? At the F1 hashtag right. with the so show. So if you see Fun With Cars tweeting at Fun With Cars something, that's. And it wasn't even like one of my tweets, which I was like, oh, he's replying to my. No, you were replying to your own tweet. Well, I have really interesting things to say. To yourself. And sometimes I like to talk with myself about these things. Anyway, thank you to Benazuma, Bernard A., Ryan Higgins, um, and, and Neil Pop, I mean, all the, the usual crew on the, uh, on the hashtag there, because oh, it was fun. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't get our, our plans in place together to watch the race live today to follow along, but that was okay. We were a couple hours delayed. So uh, some of these are sort of live tweets where, so it's like Ryan Higgins feedback says, what a pass! Um, and, of course, that was in, in regards to uh, Perez, um, which is not so timely anymore now that the race has ended and the fact that he wasn't uh, didn't, didn't quite finish so well. Right. But um, he does, uh, Ben Azuma says uh, Perez should definitely be reminded by his team to take his brain with him in the car when racing. Well, Ooh. well. So elbows out, Jekko. It's my, like, quote for the— Can you imagine? I mean, could, if you could drive a car, a race, a uh, modern F1 car, elbows out, that would actually be kind of baller. <laughs> that would actually be pretty cool. Hmm. That might be a safety concern, but yeah, screw it. Meh. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you everyone for uh, sending back feedback. Uh, we always love to know what you guys think of the show and whatnot. So you can send an email to feedback at funwithcars.com. You can visit funwithcars.com and reply to the posts right there. And of course, if you can figure them out, there are Facebook and Twitter. Um, we don't do the Tumblr thing because we're not a bunch of 12 year olds. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, Tumblr is. Uh, what's, what's Tumblr? It's, I'll tell you about it later. Okay. It's a website. It's, okay. it's on the it's hypertext. It's on the information superhighway. Wait, how can text be hyper? Exactly. That's what I said. Hypertext makes me hyper. Mm. Well, there you go. I think. Maybe. Um, we don't have any plans yet to do anything amazing for Canada, but we should be around and it's uh, real time for us, so um, we should be probably you know live hanging out and whatever. Maybe we well, can... anything we do together is amazing. We Hold can, on. We can tweet it ourselves or we, whatever. We don't have any plans to be amazing, except we are going to hang out and do a podcast, which will be amazing. Nailed it. Oh. All right, high fives all around. So, um, do you would, have a, would a would a female named Robin have something to say like that and give you the manly high five? That was a manly high five. Hi, Jim. Would you like to have a high five now? <laughs> My name is Robin. <laughs> the first part was so manly, but then the second part it just all went crazy. There, I don't know. I don't know what oh, happened. That was weird. Heaven's sake. All right, I think maybe we should end this show. Um, well. But, we have to predict first. Well, see if you can crawl out of 60th place. I think I can. Oh. Oh, it's starting to heat up here. I mean, it's not guaranteed success to be right about everything because I was right about everything and that proved wrong. How does that happen? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, here for Rizzle. Uh, I, I failed today, and I, I blame myself for it, and I did not predict terribly well. However, Chris Stark is now up and firmly in the lead all by himself with only 22 points, and Julie McKenzie, second place with 24, and I'm in, I'm getting yet just a bronze. And uh, then, I mean, I don't know where you're at, what, 90th or something? Hey, today, first in the rankings for today, not overall, because, of course, overall last week I was like 60-somethings. Um, uh, me and 16 of my close friends um, predicted, uh, you know, not quite correctly, but close to only get two points. So in this case, I went for Hamilton and Vettel. Hamilton for the pole, Vettel for the win. I was wrong on both occasions, but only by one place yes. each time. There were a bunch of other people that thought that. And Congratulations on being less wrong. Exactly. Well, thank you. Well, and if, if we were to do this by how wrong people were, you were wrong twice. I was only wrong once. I was correct about Nico Rosberg. Thank you very much. Except that's not how it so works. So I still win. So, so we should get medals instead of points is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it should be a gold medal to well, win. Well, actually, it's not points. It's Cokes, right? I mean, it's just, it's, that was the original, uh, the whole deal with predictions. You are still down on Cokes, sir. Yeah. But so... In the overall season, though, that's the deal. You know, so cumulatively, 
Um, you went from first to third. You went on third spot, which is unfortunate that you're not in first, but dude, you're still in the top three, so that's that's quite good. And I and I hope to stay up towards the front, I will be honest. Damien is in 27th spot, because it's a spreadsheet, and only thinks that whoever was on pole last time is going to be on pole, on pole again, and whoever won last time. So Damien is all in for Rosberg for Damien Canada. Damien is lame. And that may or may not be correct. Um, if I go to the be. second page, though, I don't have to go to the third page to find my name now. Sweet! <laughs> I am now in 45th place. Thank I you very much. I was wondering why your thumbs weren't as swollen. And it's the scrolling is reduced. That, that's, that's, that's good. That's what it is. So I am now in 45th spot uh, with 57 points overall, but on a pretty reasonable-looking trajectory, having not done so poorly in the last few rounds. So, um, well, well, real quick. as you know as well as anybody, as you get closer to the front, uh, the passing gets harder. Right. Well, and just to be, for completeness sake, for Spain, because we never talked about that as well, I went for Vettel Alonso, which got me two points. Um, and uh, so 10 people, um, or nine people, actually went for Hamilton Alonso, which only got the one point. Um, I and a bunch of other people went went Vettel Alonso or some other similar one to get two points. So um, What did I go for? I don't even remember. I don't know. I'm on the second page. You're not there yet still. Oh, oh Damien went Rosberg Vettel for three points. You went Vettel Vettel for five points. Uh, but that yes. puts you in 90th spot because so many people went for Alonso and Hamilton and Vettel, and you went, you went Vettel Vettel. So mm-hmm. um, with, the, with the – I guess there was a poor qualifying, I guess, that uh, – and I guess – was it? Yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, so you were <laughs> not not so not so super kick ass for Spain, but um, quite good for um, uh, quite great reasonable for Monaco. Still holding on to third spot, not so bad. But none of that matters anymore. It's time for Canada and predicting now the future as to what's going to happen. Well, okay, so we kind of had a race off of tire strategy, blah blah blah. Canada is definitely not that, and. I'm thinking that Mercedes is going to find that they have trouble again. That's my prediction in general. However, I also know that this is a racetrack that um, Lewis Hamilton is very good at. It was his very first race win was in Canada, Mm -hmm. and he's done well here in the past. There is no doubt. And he's also in a car that qualifies very, very well. So I'm putting Lewis Hamilton on pole. Why are you trying to drop my style? And then I think that Sebastian Vettel is going to have the superior race pace and wiggle his way around and win the race. So I'm going Hamilton Vettel for this one. Those actually sound like pretty reasonable uh, thinks, as it were. (laughs) You had a good think, and then you had another good think. And uh, you come up with two good things from that. Um, Or thoughts, whatever. Um, Yeah, so I was thinking Hamilton for pole as well, for similar reasons. I mean, yeah, it was... You know, he's, he's done well here. Um, so we have no reason to think that the Mercedes quali pace is going to go anywhere. Right. Um, but will it, be, will it be Rosberg on top? I mean, so far, you know, we haven't, uh, we haven't seen Hamilton outperform Rosberg. Rosberg really does have the magic. So, you know what, just to be different from you, I'll be, although it'll be the same as, uh, as Damien, I'm going to say Rosberg gets pole yet again. Oh, wow. Okay, or close to it. Because you know. that would be three in a row for him, you realize. Mm. That's okay though. It's all right. Yeah. Not everyone can be right about this. Yeah. No. Fair enough. And I guess I have you know women's intuition or something. Jerk. See now you're starting to own it. Yeah. Jerk. You're just gonna go with it and just yeah. No, that's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the win. You know I almost dated a girl named Robin. You know that right? That would have been sweet. Yeah, I know. Robin and Robin. If we'd gotten married, that would have just been weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found twenty dollars. <laughs> Um, so for, for the win, though, I mean, obviously Sergio Perez is going to come back and uh, and be magic. Oh yeah, no, put no, that I, down, I, please. I, mm, yeah, I don't. I the, the Vettel bet's not bad, um, but uh, hmm, I mean, I would love to see Hamilton come back and do well and you know manage the tires and whatever. And of course, this race, you know, the Mercedes, blah blah blah. But I have to say I though, I really I've, just don't think I'm not trying to influence your decision at all. But you know, Rosberg did a much better job than Hamilton imagining the tires at the. Uh, was it Spain or Bahrain? The one of the, I think it was Bahrain. Where one of the Ains. One of the Ains. Where uh, Rosberg a lot of all, lost a lot fewer places than Hamilton did. He just couldn't manage the tires well. That is true. Um, which is why Alonso's going to win. Ooh, I'm going back for the Ferrari, man. I'm back on the back you're on the boat there. You're predicting what I and Damien predicted for this race. Yes, you guys may have been right, but off by a race. Off by a race. Make my prediction. I have clicked the buttons, my friend, and you have as well. Looks like that. Hamilton yeah, I'm in. Oh, so, I'm in. I'm in. I'm early. Bam! Back back to the real time uh, deal here. So, 
Um, those are our predictions. Um, it's been awesome this year. We've had uh, over 100 people continuing to do predictions throughout the year. Makes it a lot Which fun. is why I can make somewhat reasonable guesses sometimes and still be in 45th spot. I think that's <laughs> awesome. I, said, you know, I mean, it's, it'd be cooler if I were higher up, but it's fun that we have enough people engaged and following along that, uh, that that makes it fun. So um, by all means, people, um, visit the Facebook page and, uh, and make your predictions. And uh, big you know, thanks, as always, to Neil Popham for putting the whole predictions app together. And as we mentioned, it now does notifications. If you haven't predicted, then um, uh, on the, the Thursday before, uh, before you know, practice starts for a race, um, it'll send you a little ping to your Facebook and say, hey, you should stop by and predict. So Because uh, <laughs> if you don't, if you wait until after Friday practice, then you are automatically put in for predicting you last place person. And that is no good, which in this case was Massa for qualifying and peak for the race. Yes, yes. Unfortunate quality day for Massa not even taking part. But anyway, um, come back with us in two weeks' time. We are going to go watch the rest of the Indy 500 because, you know, it's like that kind of day. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Uh, keep in touch on funwithcars.com. I am Jim Lau. And I am Robin Warner. Don't forget to polish the jewel in your crown today. <laughs>